I was thinking all the talking was wasting time getting down to business, the business of ripping off John's shirt and shorts. So I said, if I hadn't have been drunk, it probably would have not happened. John smiled and said, It doesn't matter. It happened. And I'm glad it did. I kissed you first. And then you were ready for more. Then you pushed me down on the blanket and crawled on top of me. I had to tell you to slow it down. There was no one else on the beach. Thank God. That got me turned on even more, if that was even possible. I could push him down now and work him over. I pulled out his list. He watched while I looked it over. Five statements, not questions. Numbers one through four dealt with how we are not conforming to the church or society's demands. I didn't give a fuck about any of that. I did not want to hear an hour of his psychobabble. Number five was the best. It said, If you want to do something, then I'm in. I had actually read that first and knew, at least for tonight, he would be mine, all mine. I was going to shut him up and undress him regardless if he was ready or not. I had waited too long for this. So John talked about life, how hard life is, and how he grew up in Miami with a stay-at-home mom, how no one trustworthy seems to have the answers. He didn't have to work for spending money. He got an allowance. Cry me a river. I told him a little bit about Father Steve, how much better I felt that I might just quit the church, that Steve said, What do you think? John didn't know what to make of that. I actually didn't care about his take on it. He talked way too much. Besides history, he was majoring in philosophy. No thanks. The sun was going down and it was getting dark. The sand fleas came out feasting on us. I said, Let's get back to the car and talk, or take our clothes off and go for a swim. Either get back to the car or get in the water so we can have some hot, steaming sex, rough and tumble, anything. So we walked back the one-person trail, and all I could think about was pulling his shorts down and watching and feeling that firm, perfect ass of his. It was calling me put a sock in his mouth and tie him up. Not one person was around the parking lot. A Thursday night off A1A in Boca, I went to the passenger door of the Rambler and I kissed him right there in the parking lot. He kissed back, deep French kiss, deep. My hands on his ass and his on my bulge. If I hadn't already had a brush with the law, I would have done it in the parking lot next to my rambler. Take pictures. Put it on the evening news. I was not familiar with passion, whatever passion was. The connection with John seemed like 
what love must be. I couldn't control it. My logical mind had nothing to do with this strong desire, this consuming emotion that this one person has something no one you've ever met before possessed. Some of it was the way he pronounced his words or how he used his hands to explain his understanding of the Catholic Church. I had never cared physically for another person like this. I really didn't even know him, but I wanted to be with him, hear everything he had to say. Needless to say, it was a fast drive back to the dorm. I told John, we can go to my room instead of trying something in the car again. We just need to be really quiet. Tim and his roommates would still be up, probably stoned. You could hear someone fart in the next room because of the paper-thin walls. John said, We don't want to get caught. We'd be out of school in a heartbeat. John pulled his t-shirt off. It's getting hot in here. We had the windows down, and the air was warm and humid. The next thing he did was lay across my cloth bench seat and began to unbutton my shorts. I was crossing Highway 1 when I said, John, the light's turning red. Be careful and don't pop up. There's a truck behind me. Seemed like we sat there forever. He had his hand around my rock-hard cock. I told John, you better be careful. I'm about to explode. I guessed I had anticipated this moment so much that I couldn't handle it physiologically. I had anticipated it for seven years. Jimmy and I did everything but that together. If Jimmy had gone in that direction, I would have been willing and ready. That's how guys get girls pregnant, the heat of the moment. I was trying to get us safely back to the dorm. The truck behind us blew his horn because the light had turned green. Off we went across US-1. About another ten minutes to get where we needed to be. John said, Is it safe to sit up? I looked in the rearview mirror and the horn-honking truck was on my ass. I pulled off the road into a service station. I said, Get up quickly. Wait until we get back on the road to put your shirt on. Seeing him with his shirt off did not help with my heart on. All I could think about was my hands all over his smooth chest. How will I ever get my shorts buttoned up to walk into my bedroom? About that time, a greasy guy came out to see what I needed. The erection problem was solved. I shouted out the window, I forgot my money. I'll be back. Back on Glades Road, when we rounded the corner to enter student parking, several of his frat brothers were coming back from a jog. They flagged me down. I stopped, and Greg, the leader of the pack, said, Oh, I didn't know John was with you. What you guys been up to? My first thought was, he knows something. Then John chimed in. Oh, we went out to the beach. I talked Joe into joining the fraternity. I also talked him into being treasurer. 
I loved how John said my name, almost like, My Joe, my best friend. We are going to be together forever. So I was looking at Greg, a sweaty, stinking pig. He thought he was a male specimen. Bonnie had told me he was a jerk. Greg said, Welcome aboard, Calderwood. We still have hazing to go, but we'll take it easy on you since you've agreed to be treasurer. Did John tell you about the belt line? I had already been hazed. I was in a haze. He was grabbing his junk and pushing it around. Disgusting. We parked, then I told John, Let me go into my room first. You stay out in the hall. If it's safe, then I'll wave you into the bedroom. I'll put the do not disturb sign on the door handle. So when we got to my dorm room, all was clear. I could hear Tim in his bedroom talking to someone. His door was open, but he couldn't see me. I waved John into my bedroom. Walked over to Tim's bedroom and told him I had a headache and needed to lay down. Tim was really a considerate guy. He said, oh, sorry, bud. No worries. Once back in the bedroom, John had tossed everything but his underpants. He'd lit a stick of incense. I put my finger to my lips to be quiet. He took my finger away and put it in his mouth. This is what I had been waiting for, him all to myself in a safe place. Well, safe enough. The door was locked, and no one had any business coming in. New Jersey was long gone, so I pulled my shorts and shirt and shoes off, pushed him on the bed, and laid on top of him, my mouth on his. Never had this feeling for girls. I knew for sure I was a homo. I would have to navigate my life to make this secret work. I had only experienced a blowjob from Doc. I'd never considered giving one. Never to Doc. John grabbed my hard cock and put it in his mouth. I then did the same to him. We laid in the bed, quietly continued and rubbed hands all over each other's bodies. It was heated like I had never experienced I exploded in his mouth. He started to gag and cough and then whispered, I've never done that before. You weren't to come in my mouth. Thought, well, too late. He wasn't mad. Then he said, I'm going to name you Quick Draw McGraw. You need to learn how to hold back. Why? It felt awesome. I felt complete. John in my bed sex. He wanted me. John said, now you can finish me off. I really wasn't interested, but I did say, let me know when you are close because I don't want you shooting in my mouth. He smiled while continuing and looking at his perfect stomach and hairy legs. I slid my hands behind to hold his perfectly round ass. I massaged and played with his ass cheeks. I was getting erect again, 
John said. I'm not ready for that. I was. I used dippity-doo to keep my hair under control. I began using it because I saw a commercial on television. I figured if that attractive female model could use it, then it would be good enough for me. There was regular and extra holding. The normal was a pink color and the extra hole was green. I used the green because, with my unruly wavy hair, I needed extra holding. Turned out that the extra holding was also a really good lubricant. I didn't know of anyone else using it. I had always heard of Vaseline, but to me, it was too grainy and thick. I needed something slippery. John and I fell sound asleep, side by side, his back to me. I held him, my arms wrapped around his moist body. Warmth. Never had I experienced anything like it. His mouth always reminded me of milk. Whole milk. I don't know what that was about, but it always seemed he had just downed some Oreo cookies and a glass of whole milk. The new feelings... I experienced had to be what everyone that had been in love before tried to quantify, tried to explain, write a book about it, describe it. There is no describing this, not in words. Even what the movies portrayed, novels written about romance, Now that we had had this time together, maybe John would be ready for being together more. Guys and girls go steady. What about guys and guys? Why not? We couldn't tell anybody. Sworn to secrecy. Could not discuss the sex or going steady. My goals were all in a state of flux. All I wanted was to have him to myself and that he wanted me to himself. How much easier my life would be if I was laying here with a girl, a girl that I had the same obsession and attachment to, a girl that had parents that admired me and wanted to help me succeed. It wasn't in the cards. I heard Tim and someone else stirring about in the study room. A lot of chatter. He might have heard some of our sex commotion. John did gag and cough for a minute or so. The dippity-doo helped for everything else. In the heat of the moment, I was lost in the surroundings. I would make up a really good story for Tim. A good story. I could convince most people of what they needed convincing of. I learned in the seventh grade how to be someone else. Mrs. LaBelle, my history teacher, asked me to try out for a school play. I figured, hey, if she thought I should do it, then why not? So I landed the part of Chester. In the play, Chester, is that you? I landed the lead role. Talk about fame going to your head. That's the first time Jimmy came up to me and said, Man, you are cool. I thought he was cool, too. 
I wish we could have been boyfriends with benefits. It would have made my young life way more fun. I now had the lead role in Joe the Homo that plays it hetero. John woke up, turned his head, looked at me, kind of like a look of, What did you do to me? He then said, How can I get out of here without the guys seeing me? He used his hand to point to me and then to his chest. I told him, You're not leaving. You'll have to stay for the rest of the quarter. That would be fantastic. Have him in my room for another nine weeks. So I said, I'm sure they heard us. I'll tell Tim that I had a girl in here. It worked before. John scrunched up his face and said, Very funny, Calderwood. Getting a little annoyed with that. That surprised me. And it didn't surprise me. I wouldn't want to be talked about as a girl. And he wasn't a girl. He was all guy. Tim finally left the study room. Probably headed down to the student center to watch TV. Thursday night was bewitched, and Tim and a few guys wouldn't miss it. John got his things together, then looked at me and said, It was fun. Then he kissed me quick, and then I went out to make sure it was all safe to leave. Not a soul in sight. John walked away, and as I saw him leaving, I missed him already. The next three weeks were a struggle. Won't you give yourself to me? Give it all. I just wanna see how beautiful you are. If life was a movie, then you're the best part. Classes were all going well. I joined the fraternity and became the treasurer. Because I was in a business program with a major in accounting, most of them believed I knew something about accounting. I didn't know much. I barely knew how to reconcile a bank account. I did not have another meet with John in those three weeks. I would bump into him at the cafeteria when we sat at the frat table. And it was just small talk. I couldn't even get him to stare at me, to look in my eyes. It was like he was avoiding me. It was like we never had the hot, steamy night together. I wondered what he thought when he saw me. Was he ashamed of himself and me? Was he conflicted? I did know that at some point we would talk. He loved to talk. Always too much talk. I wanted to be physical. I continued to have mental conversations about my plight, my disorder, the memories of all the slurs regarding people like myself, faggot, cocksucker, fairy, homo. I did not want to identify with any of that. My navigation was not going to be easy. The world was against me. So I took off for home Friday night. We had a baptism for my niece. I also had work out at Doc's house, and I wanted to talk to Doc about there is no beating this, and about John. He would like talking to me about that. I realized that 
to be true to myself and any others intimate with me that I was a homo. I was in no way ready to broadcast it to the world. I would begin with easy ones, easy people that I could trust. Doc would be the first that I would discuss everything with. He was my molester, mentor, benefactor, and Elsa's boss. He also had an odd relationship with a young doctor, a young, handsome doctor, David. He helped David through medical school. David had his own apartment, and Doc had his home on five acres. They both drank gallons of scotch, glasses at a time. The other easy one to discuss this with would be Elsa, my mom. She would be receptive once I warmed her up to the idea. Mothers have a way of dealing and accepting their kids. Fathers are another issue. Lucky for me, I didn't have a father. My heart was aching. John wasn't as interested as I was. I guess I was to be available when it worked out for him. That seemed okay at the beginning, and I would take anything I could get, but there was nothing I could do to make us closer. I dated Bonnie to fill the void. It wasn't fair to her. She knew something was off kilter. All I could think about was John when I was with her. The events from that special night with John would replay in my mind like a recording on Fast Forward. I sat through the baptism service looking at all the stained glass and Bible figures. I was remembering about Bear Your Cross. There were the stations of the cross on Friday night going from window to window. That was a reminder of the path and how hard it could be. I guess homo was my cross. I did not want a life alone. I did not want to be chaste. I did not want to be a priest. I wanted to have a full life, a life with another guy, work together and build a life. I listened to the priest recite verses from the Bible. I still believed in something, but not sure what that something was. You're the sunshine in the rain when it's pouring. Won't you give yourself to me? Give it all. I just want to see how beautiful you If life was a movie, then you're the best part. Where you go, this is episode 5 of 15 of Navigating Muddy Waters. If you like my show, please tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery, or wherever you are listening now. Everything in my show is based on actual events. I'm your host, Joe Calderwood. I'm also the writer, recorder, producer, and editor. Music is by Freddie Elmberg.